Making the transition from a Hall of Fame quarterback is not an easy one, though the Packers have made it look it the last 30 years. Tyler Dunn joins us on the show today to talk about quarterback succession in Green Bay. Plus, Jordan Love did the hard things easily on Sunday. He needs to do the easy things a little bit better, and this offense can take off. We talk about all of it on today's show. You are Locked On Packers, your daily Green Bay Packers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Packers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Peter Bukowski, and I cover the Packers for The Leap. A newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers. The number one Packers podcast on the internet. And the show for fans who know what happened, they want to know why and how. Thanks to everyone who makes Locked on Packers their first listen every day. We hope you like starting your day with us as much as we like starting our day with you. And today, our episode is brought to you by Prize Picks, the easiest and most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Go to prizepicks.com slash NFL and use the promo code LOCKEDONNFL, all lowercase, for a first deposit match up to $100. Ty Dunn from Go Long joins us on the show today, and he had a great, interesting interview with Brett Favre last week about Jordan Love, about Aaron Rodgers, about that whole situation. Um, And we're going to talk to him about some of the insights in there. Ty has been one of the foremost people, I I think, along with your host on this show, talking about Jordan Love, writing about Jordan Love. Before we get to that interview, though, there was one place where Jordan Love was absolutely unbelievable. Absolutely unbelievable on Sunday, and it was in situational football. He was 8 of 10 for 141 and two touchdowns with a perfect passer rating on third and fourth down, and on third and 13, ran for 10 yards to set up the fourth and three that set up the Aaron Jones touchdown. <laughs> I screwed up the uh, the timing of all of that stuff on our uh, our live show a little bit. I was, I was pretty, I was pretty fired up after that one. The Packers went three for three in the red zone. They went 9 of 16 on third down. Situational football is something that does translate. It's something that you can be good at. But it's not something that can be the only part of your offense that works. Early down success rate tends to be a much stickier, a much more stable measure of the quality of your offense. And that's not great for the Packers because for as excellent as Jordan Love was on third down and in the red zone when the field condenses, and and by the way, that stuff, that to me is where you get paid as a quarterback. You get paid for third down. You get paid in the red zone. The Packers on late down passes, so third and fourth down passes, 1.38 estimated points added per play. That is a preposterous number. 1.38 EPA per play. To give you some context, 
Patrick Mahomes, the year he threw 50 touchdowns a few years ago, average EPA per play was 0.363. So we're talking about, what, four times more valuable per play on third and fourth down, which is supposed to be the hardest time. That is a passing script. Third down, fourth down. 1.38 EPA per play. It is a ridiculous number. Jordan Love throwing past the sticks consistency consistently every time, in fact, except for the Romeo Dobbs one on the very first drive. But he threw it probably, what, five yards short of the sticks with room for Romeo Dobbs to run, which he does. He dives forward and picks up the first down. The problem for the Packers was the part of the field, the part of the game where they should have a clear advantage. It's early down. Early down offense is supposed to be the easier part of the game because you have a more wide open script. You can do whatever you want, especially on first and 10. The whole playbook is open to you, but the Packers on early downs, negative 0.17 EPA per play. Again, for context, the Bears for the day on all plays, minus 1.8 EPA per play. So on first and second down, the Packers were the Bears. And on third and fourth down, throwing the ball with Jordan Love, they were a number that doesn't even compute to the run of play. They're the greatest offense ever. Like, And it wouldn't be close. That's why small sample size theater, you have to be careful about this stuff. But... The, the nice thing is, okay, Jordan Love did the hard thing. This offense without Christian Watson, with Romeo Dobbs at less than 100%, did the hard thing. The early down success rate and, and those plays, that should be the easy stuff for the Packers. That's where they should be making their money. Their early down runs were terrible. They were actually like not great, but not terrible early down throwing. But early down runs was an abomination. And so this is this is the part. I wrote about this for The Leap, a newsletter I would love for you to subscribe to. And that is, this is the part of the game where Matt LaFleur has to take those moments in the second half that we saw. We know he can scheme up plays. The screen. Leak. The big play to Luke Musgrave. The fourth and, the fourth and three. I want to take those individually because I think they're interesting on their own, but they each represent something the Packers can use and take away on early downs and say, okay, look, we can hang our hat on some of this stuff. They ran the ball extremely well with Aaron Jones. He needs more touches. They recognize that in the second half and AJ Dillon just has to be better or they need to get someone else out there. He, This was one of the worst games I've ever seen AJ Dillon play. And he looked like this to start last season, got better as the year wore on, and in the second half started to look like the A.J. Dillon we saw in 2021 when he was really, really good. I don't think he forgot how to play football. I just He just doesn't look, he doesn't look explosive, he doesn't look decisive, he doesn't look the same. And I wonder if this pad level discussion has got him in his head a little bit. He's thinking about trying to play with good pad level. I don't know what's going on there, but it's not great. So let's start with the screen. That is a well-timed, well-designed play, throwback screen, boot it after you, they didn't even call that many boots. Throwback screen, 
It's well called. It's well executed. Aaron Jones is your playmaker, but it's it's beautifully, beautifully blocked. I mean, the Bears had guys there, but the offensive line gets out and they have to execute that play. That's not, it's not like when they run the Luke Musgrave play, when they run Y Leak. That's just, you bust the coverage. It's the call. It's the scheme. It's everything working for you. Luke Musgrave did not have to do anything on that play except not fall down. And of course he fell down, but it's a walk-in touchdown. All Jordan Love has to do is not drop the snap. And Luke Musgrave has to not fall down on his own. And it's a touchdown. That scheme. Early downs is when you can let your scheme do the work. We know Matt LaFleur can do that. I thought he got a little too far in his bag at times. Trying to get a little too creative. And so that gets to the last one. The last play. Fourth and three. Aaron Jones on a linebacker. They knew they are going to get man coverage. They line up. The play clock's running down. Matt LaFleur knows this play is going to work. Timeout. Let's get it all set. Aaron Jones in the slot. Reminded me of 2019 against Kansas City. Aaron Jones in the slot. It's third and five. And they throw Aaron Jones one-on-one against the linebacker on the out. He runs the route. He gets open. It's a wrap. They win the game. This was a not not the same sort of context, but it's a big moment where you scheme, you call the perfect play, but your running back still has to win against a linebacker one on one. Now it's one on one against a linebacker and space. You expect Aaron Jones to win that matchup with regularity. You still need Jordan Love to hold Tremaine Edmonds on the backside, playing that lurk linebacker spot. He's going to go. They they got the crosser open. If Edmonds doesn't start running toward Romeo Dobbs, who's open on the rub route. Love can throw it to Dobbs, and it's easy. It's a first down. But Love holds him with his eyes. Great execution. And then you have your player. Just go win your matchup. And he does, and he turns a new touchdown. Even if he doesn't, it's an easy first down. They're going to get points on that drive anyway. The Packers did the hard stuff. That gives them the opportunity now to work on some of the easy stuff and lean into things we've already seen them be good at. All right, let's get to our discussion with Ty Dunn coming up just on the other side. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get $200 back in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers can bet $5. You'll get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. Universal praise, by the way, for the new YouTube TV setup with NFL Sunday ticket. The four box, I had the four box going the whole early games. I almost said morning games. I wish there were morning games. It was great. You can toggle back and forth and listen to the sound, whatever games you want. They have whatever four connectivities that you want, whatever four boxes you want to put in there, you can do it. It's great. If you don't have it, FanDuel is going to give it to you. Now's the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use and you can bet on everything from spreads to player props and more. The Packers won me a bunch of money on Sunday. Thank goodness. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you won't want to miss. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. And thanks for making Locked On Packers your first listen every day. Every day or tomorrow on the show. 
We have Lily Zhao from Zhao You Doing. We've got Crossover Thursday and then a big time guest, hopefully, hopefully, I don't want to overpromise and underdeliver on this, hopefully coming up on Friday. Joining me now for a return visit, our pal Ty Dunn, my Syracuse brethren. We are here. Uh, he has a had a big uh, piece come out where a a podcast that is potentially a podcast series, more with a guy you may have heard of, Brett Favre. Ever heard of him? Uh, Ty, it is it is great to be with you. Thank you so much for taking the time. And I, we we have to we have to talk about this off the top. Like when you have the opportunity to talk to Brett Favre, given the current situation with the investigation and all the taxpayer stuff going on in Mississippi. What, what is your thought process of like, how do I balance this? How do I like decide how to handle this? You don't ignore it. I mean, right. by no means do you ignore the elephant in the room. And it's something that I've spoken to Brett with openly, you know, on the record for, for the podcast, but even off the record, filling me in on um, as much as he can. There is a gag order on the case and he references that gag order uh, when I bring it up on episode number one, I think it was like five minutes into the show. I felt I needed to bring this up because obviously it's what everybody's thinking. Uh, and and we haven't really heard from him. And, and that's why, because he technically can't say anything. But I would definitely implore people to check it out. Like read his body language, see what he says, because I'm sure you caught it. Make your own Pete. decisions. He He said that he's really looking forward to his day when he can detail in his words, his side of the story. So- yeah, I, do, I don't think that, and this is a deeper conversation that probably we need to carve out an hour for. <laughs> d d does an investigation like this mean that we whisk him and everybody who's involved with something off to the cornfield to never be heard from again? Personally, I find Brett Favre Brett might to like be, that first part. He might just be fine being in a cornfield. Well, I tell you what, <laughs> they got a crazy drought down there at his at his house. They haven't had rain in months. And he's all sunburned. He's been working the irrigation system manually, water and everything. Um, look, he, he he is one of, if not the most captivating player in pro football history. He is the reason the Green Bay Packers are the Green Bay Packers, arguably the greatest player in team history. Yeah. This may be the most uh, storied team in the NFL, in all of sports. So he's unbelievably relevant. And to me, the show isn't necessarily, let's hear what Brett Favre has to say every other week about, the NFL or Jordan love. Like we want to get into some meaty topics. We're, we're going to go big picture. Um, look, the good, the bad and ugly were worn on Brett Favre's sleeve. Like we, we, we knew what he was going through in life often more than we wanted to know. Yeah. But for the most part, he let us in and most quarterbacks, most players in general, don't let you in the way Brett Favre did. Right. I, I think we all saw part of ourselves in him when he when he played. I mean, so many kids, entire generation, generations grew up on their backyard throwing the football around like Brett Favre. So that's kind of my rambling response uh, to a straightforward question. But no, I mean, no, we, we, we addressed it. Absolutely addressed it. And by no means will we just pretend like that's not going on. As you have these discussions, like you, you texted me some of it. And I was just like, wait, Brett Favre and Ted Thompson were drinking buddies. Like what, what can you explain this? Yeah. I, I thought that for the first show to tie in the, the, the past with the present, you know, Jordan love taking over for Aaron Rodgers. Let's go back to that summer of 2008. 
<laughs> that uh, elicited some emotions in Wisconsin and beyond. Yeah, I was there. And he, <laughs> I mean, blow for blow, play by play, took everybody through his thought process um, from the 2007 NFC Championship loss to the New York Giants, which he described as absolutely crushing as it was for everybody that's a Packer mm -hmm. fan out there. He took it really, really hard, um, harder than I ever knew, needed space, was afforded that space, and I don't want to give too much away, obviously. I want people to subscribe and listen to the full hour and a half. I mean, we talked for an hour and a half, um, but Mike McCarthy reached out to him a little sooner than Favre was expecting. He felt kind of nudged into retirement, which some people know, but it, it, he didn't necessarily want to retire. He just told Mike, look, I, right now, I don't know if I'm like all in. And he said, next thing I know, I'm on an airplane going to my retirement press conference. I'm like, Brett, it's like nobody's holding you against your will. <laughs> like you are still getting on the plane. Um, and he's he's open on everything going through his mind because it was emotional. Right. It's the cover of Sports Illustrated. We've all seen it. But as soon as he got on his plane and went back, he, he knew that he probably shouldn't have retired, shouldn't have done all that and started having those second thoughts. But to answer your question, yes, in the 1990s, when Ted Thompson was just a scout, uh, him and Brett Favre were really tight. They threw drinks back at the 50 yard line, right across the name of the bar, right across the street. I, I had no idea. I, I love, and those are the kinds of things that that will be in these conversations. Those little nuggets that I think there are a lot of, there are a lot of fans out there. You know, not everyone is just like, I'm done with Brett Favre. I think there are a lot of people really interested in those conversations. Um, I, I actually, I tweeted something out a couple weeks ago that I know you saw that, I've been thinking about it and I wanted to throw it back at you now that we're here. Um, we, we, I had you on right after you wrote the piece about Jordan Love being picked and how the Packers had done it again. You talked to a lot of people around Jordan Love, his coaches, and they were like, look, this is the guy. And there was just a piece in The Athletic last week where all his teammates who are now like going to watch him be quarterback one are saying the same thing, Ty. And I, I thought it was interesting, like, if there was any team that was going to go back to back to back, why wouldn't it be Green Bay when Brian Gutekinds was hired by Ron Wolf, who, who did this in the first place? And you, you have an infrastructure here that, at least in the scouting staff and all that stuff, is largely the same as it was back in the day. So let, let me just like throw it out to you because I've kind of come around to be like, you, you might be right about this. Now, we're recording this before week one. So who knows what happens? Jordan Love could throw five interceptions and we look like idiots, but it's still just week one. So what, what is your, what is your feeling now as we sit here uh, in 2023? Hey, Favre, Favre likes him and, and granted he's, he's not a scout like Ted was or a GM, uh, but he's got some pretty good instincts with this stuff. And he, he, we get into Jordan Love's game and what he sees in him. And, and he does believe it was the right decision, that it was time, that things got stagnant with Aaron Rodgers and they they needed to turn the page like they turned the page with him. Um, gosh, he, he really did kind of look in the mirror with a lot of the comparisons there. Yeah, I'm all in on Jordan Love. Absolutely. For all of the reasons that I think we both have been repeating ad nauseum for two, three years, I just... And, 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 and Brett made this point too. Like I, you can't discount what, what Matt Stafford even alluded to a little bit, like the camaraderie in a locker room, the age gap, the, the cultural difference of, yeah. of a 38, 39 year old quarterback being surrounded by 22, 23, 24 year olds. Um, 
Jordan Love can speak the same language as these guys in the locker room. I think they're really, really tight. That stuff matters. But more so, on the field, they're going to speak the same language. They're going to run Matt LaFleur's offense, right? They're, they're, they're not Aaron Jones, A.J. Dillon, Romeo Dobbs, Christian Watson, Jaden Reed. They're not, they're not going to be out there on eggshells waiting for an audible, a signal from Aaron Rodgers. Mm, a hand signal, have, one of those. They, they have no clue what he's talking about, right? They may, he might be audible into something. That, they were in high school the last <laughs> time he audible to that play. Yeah. Uh, so I, I think the sense I get, people I talk to, there is this sense of relief that we're all on the same page. And Jordan Love, I mean, we don't see this in the modern game. We don't see a quarterback meticulously built in a lab for three years, right? Uh, suddenly unleashed. I mean, we've gotten little bits and pieces, right? Kansas City, Philly, some preseason, but uh, I think we have to take the Packers' word on this. I think that Brian Gutekunst, Matt Lafleur, they've had a plan from day one. I um, still think they should have taken their unlimited first-round picks when uh, Aaron was throwing the three-month tantrum. But hey, maybe waiting. It, it it paid off because right when everybody wrote Jordan Love off, right when. They gave Aaron Rodgers that contract. That's really when he took it to a different level. And he showed up to OTAs and teammates saw a different quarterback who just got everything just kind of clicked. So there'll be growing pains, but I don't really think there's a doubt that he's that he's ready. I mean, he All right, we're going to get back with Ty Dunn in just a second. Today's episode brought to you by a friend at Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest independently owned daily fantasy sports platform in North America. Prize Picks is so easy to play. You can submit an entry in less than 60 seconds. Quick withdrawals, easy gameplay, and an enormous selection of players and stats make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. This week, Aaron Rodgers for more than three passing touchdowns and Travis Kelsey for more than 50 yards. Just put a couple players together. And decide if you think they're going to produce more than the numbers prize picks puts in there. And if you're right, you can win. It's that easy. It's really that. It is, it is so fun to play. Prize picks now offers Apple Pay for quick and easy deposits into your account this football season. So go to prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL or use com- promo code locked on NFL for a first deposit match up to a hundred. That's prizepicks.com slash locked on NFL. Use the code locked on NFL for that first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And thanks to everyone who makes Locked On Packers their first listen every day. Every dayers would love for you to go subscribe to what we're doing over at The Leap. The Leap.football is the website. And go join Subtext, where I am speaking directly to you. We are texting. We are, it is, it is you and me. It's not a mass text. I love to send a group text. I love to send a mass text. I love to send the same text to six different people. Ask my friends. I do it all the time. And they can tell. They can tell. That's not what this is. I am speaking. We are texting directly. You are texting to me. And I am texting back to you. So find Locked On Packers on subtext. And let's go have some fun. And, and who knows if this, Jordan Love job. had been ready in 2021, that offseason, when Aaron Rodgers, I call it the offseason of discontent, uh, the summer of discontent. Uh, if if Jordan Love had been ready, you know, basically sight unseen uh, w- with him, like, who knows? We saw him in 2021 play that Kansas City Chief game. It looked very different. It's interesting. 
I know you and I have each spoken to Steve Calhoun a number of times about Jordan Love and his development. And I, I believe you wrote this um, earlier this offseason that there was actually communication between Matt LaFleur and Steve Calhoun about, hey, in the offseason, let's coach these things up. These are the things that, that I want to see that we're going to rep, that we're going to work on. It's, it's play action into these shot plays. It's deep crossers. It's like, like these are the things that we need to get ironed out. And he just gets in the lab, as you mentioned, and starts doing it. What, what, did, you, what did you learn in those discussions with, with Steve Calhoun, who maybe knows Jordan Love's game better than anybody? That is a great point, Pete, because all of these quarterbacks have their own coaches in the offseason. If you don't have one, you're going to get caught behind. Like that's yeah, that, that, that's how accuracy is improvable, right? For, for, for a number of years, you either were accurate or you weren't. And then all of a sudden, Josh Allen goes from what, like 52% to 69%. It's like, oh, well, he was working with Jordan Palmer in the offseason. Then he had Brian Dable during the season, like two incredible coaches in their own right. So they all had these guys, all of these gurus, but I think that there is some animosity in some situations where a private quarterback coach is building his brand, building his business. Um, not going to name names, but there are some out there who are, are a little bit more concerned about propping themselves up and they've got a, a, a big name client. And then you talk to the team behind the scenes and they kind of roll their eyes like, Oh geez. Like I, I wish you know, we want our quarterback to do what we want him to do. So well, it you could. It doesn't even have to be a quarterback point. coach. Like we saw it in, in New England with Tom Brady, there there was totally. tension in that building because of his personal trainer, because of his like life coach, and wanting him to be around the building. I don't. I don't know that he was doing like quarterback drills with Alex Guerrero, but like there were there were other these other things that he wants him doing, and it's like the Patriots were like, dude, we can't we can't do this anymore. So this is not unique to to the Packers and Jordan Love either. So just like let, let, let's make that clear too. Sorry, I interrupted. Go ahead. No, that's a great point because yeah, it's I when we say that Steve Calhoun and Matt LaFleur are on the same page, that's not some cliche. That's not like, oh, of course they're on the same page. No, that's not the case with other quarterbacks and other teams. Like that that that, that is huge, especially when you've got Aaron Rodgers seemingly in the cockpit here with total control, right? He He's given that control you know, on the field, change it to whatever you want financially here, the richest contract in the league um, mandates, protocols behind the scenes, do your own thing. Like he had autonomy in every conceivable way. So I, part of me wondered, okay, like they're all, they're just all in on Aaron and he'll be a green Bay Packer until Aaron Rodgers doesn't want to be a green Bay Packer. But I think quietly behind the scenes, they, they never just shoved Jordan love to the side and we're like, eh, that was pretty ugly in Kansas City. You're a lost cause. Like, no, like they they worked with him year round. So even when he's out there in Bakersfield, California, with Steve Calhoun, like, no, Matt Lafleur's he's giving him some stuff to work on. They're working on it, and that was the big bet. Like Jordan Love, last year at Utah State, so many graduations, so many injuries, running around for his damn life. But they saw some special in there, some improvisational ability in there. And it was worth betting on. Okay, so you've got that, but then what are you going to do with that? You can be like Johnny Manziel and watch zero film, or are you going to bust your ass and turn yourself into a legitimate starting quarterback? They bet on his work ethic, right? They looked past the the weed ahead of the bowl game, which I think scared off some teams probably. By the they, way, those charges were dropped. He was. Those charges were dropped. Exactly. Exactly. Um, yeah, here I am. Like. <laughs> 
isn't it funny how something gets kind of spit into the ether? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that they knew all along who Jordan Love was as a person, as a worker. And when you combine that with some type of athletic trait, some something that's special, you've got a shot. And right, like you said, everybody's watching this after the opener. And of course he threw for five touchdowns against yeah. the Bears. Let's take our victory lap. We can cut we can cut it if he if he sucked. No, just kidding. Um I, the part of this that's fascinating too, though, is and look, you and I we get pegged as Aaron Rodgers critics, I think in part because we have been fans of Jordan Love and have suggested that he can actually be a good player. That somehow it was like there was that stretch of time where if you say anything nice about Jordan Love, you have to be automatically um taking a dump on Aaron Rodgers. That was not. That's not the deal, but it's interesting in, in this context with Brett Favre because Brett famously did not take Aaron Rodgers under his wing. There was acrimony in the building when those two were there together. And Aaron Rodgers has said outright, I did not want to do that. And so for as much as he resented the pick, he like by all accounts took special care not to resent Jordan Love. How do you think that that changes the way that Jordan Love approaches being the guy now. I'm not there every day, right? You try to have conversations and learn as much as you can outside looking in. You know, Aaron Rodgers does a very good job of manipulating a message and a narrative. Um, it's funny with, with the Hard Knocks episodes, listening to talk radio and hearing <laughs> guys say, oh, I completely changed my opinion of Aaron Rodgers. Like, I mean, Aaron Rodgers notwithstanding, imagine if we had cameras in our face all day. We're, we're probably going to put on a pretty good face, right? We're probably so I for, for better or worse. It's like the, I it's really like the couple that fights in public. Like it's love. like if, if you guys are fighting in public this much, imagine what goes on behind closed doors. Yeah. Yeah. So it, my point being the relationship that he had with Jordan love, good, bad, and different. I don't know. In a weird way. I think he probably learned as much from Aaron Rodgers as Aaron Rodgers learned from Brett Favre. Just, just watch him in practice, right? See, see how he works. See how he studies film. You know, remember Steve Calhoun? He probably said the same thing to you. Like early on with Jordan, he'd have to tell Jordan, look, that only Aaron Rodgers can make that kind of play. You're <laughs> yeah. not ready to make that kind of play. <laughs> so there's moments he's he, yeah. got to pump your brakes. And imagine Aaron Rodgers and everybody in his inner circle saying the same thing. Like, don't do what Brett Favre just did, throwing that ball to Corey Webster. And over. So... I, but it, it can only be a good thing if you're around a future Hall of Famer. I mean, it's there's there's no downside uh, unless it was so poisonous beyond belief, and and we really have no. And he's stunned for for life. I I can't see that. I I think that it was only good that he was around Aaron Rodgers, regardless of what the relationship was really like. And now it's his time. It's his turn. And I give the Packers. I mean, we really can't just skim over that fact. So much credit for having the guts to do this because I think we all just assumed it was Aaron Rodgers' show. Aaron probably assumed it was Aaron's show and they, they saw his performance last season. Jets fans tend to forget this, that he missed open receivers. He wasn't escaping pressure like he used to very average. And yeah, I'm sure like that. What about that three game stretch Pete commanders, giants, jets, not in that order. I mean, he dropped back to pass double the amount of time that Aaron Jones and AJ Dillon carried the ball. Yeah. And you can't tell me that Matt LaFleur is making all of those calls. So it added up to the point 
that Detroit Lions game when he's a disaster in the fourth quarter. Terrible. Oh my God. They win that game with Jordan Love. Time's up. Time's up. You got to try to get better. So I'm going to, I want to end on this. Um, I was going back through you, you, you posted Bob's uh, Bob McGinn, his old scouting reports from 2020. When he talks to he's no one has deeper scouting sources in, in the NFL than Bob McGinn. And I went back and looked at Jordan Love stuff. And I had forgotten how polarizing he was among scouts. Let me just read you two quotes. This is about the same player now. If he ends up outside the top 10, we could be saying, how the heck did Jordan Love last that long? This is a different scout. I don't like him fourth or fifth round. One scout sees top 10. Another scout says, eh, mid day three. Like, this is crazy, Ty. And so it just, I think it's a good reminder that even though these are professionals, the variance on this is crazy. And man, I, I don't, I really don't know if anyone knows anything on how this works. I really don't. Like, that's, that's the crazy thing. But the talent, the talent, I think is hard to deny. The ability is yeah. there. And Mike Smith had a great quote talking about Rashawn Gary a couple of years ago. Give me a guy with talent and work ethic and I'll give you a good player. And I think that's what the Packers are banking on with Jordan Love. That's the story right there. They they knew he was talented. They knew he'd work. And as complicated as we try to make professional football, it, it probably all boils down to that. Yeah. I get it. There's schematic geniuses. There's there's chess, all that stuff. Um, you want the Shanahan's, the McVeigh's. You want to be at the cutting edge and and all of that. But it. I, I'm pretty pro player, and I just feel like at the end of the day, like if you're if you're wired the right way, and you got a little talent to you, look at the Detroit Lions. I mean, this has been a three year process. Yeah, wow, of finding the right DNA and their and their guys. I mean, they completely reset their defense. They knew who to keep on offense, who to let go, and uh, I, I think the Lions are in position to to contend. Well, we'll see what happens, uh, but I think Green Bay is, is going to be a lot better than people think too because they they have the similar philosophy. Indeed, it's going to be it's going to be something that I think, you know, they're, they're going about it in different ways. But the Packers even said Matt LaFleur talked about this in preseason. This team has a different attitude. They play with a different physicality. And I think now everyone's playing these two deep shells. We, we might be back to some old school football, Ty. Like there may be some more. We got to hit people in the mouth. We got to come downhill. And if you're going to play two deep safeties, we're going to run the ball down your throat um, and then try and create those shot plays and do all that fun stuff. It, it's going to it's going to make the game just incredible to track how these things move and evolve and i know at go long you guys will be all over it so people go subscribe um listen to the podcast with brett Favre, the series all that good stuff ty appreciate the time man hey thank you pete anytime all right thanks to ty for joining the show great to talk to him uh we are back tomorrow lily zhao is with us for zhao you doing our second zhao you doing of the season our first post-game Zayu doing where we get to recap what happened, look forward to what's going to happen in week two, and then we get you going for week two. This is going to be a lot of fun all season long. Follow me on Twitter, Peter underscore Bukowski. Follow the podcast on Twitter, Locked on Packers. Like us on Facebook. Subscribe to the podcast, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you find podcasts, you will find Locked on Packers, the number one Packers podcast on the internet. And anytime you want to come hang out with us live, we had... One of our, I think our biggest stream ever post-game after week one. I can't imagine why. 
We had a ton of fun. So go come hang out with us. We had a blast. We had an absolute blast. And my reaction, you know, may or may not have been um, a lot, but we liked it. We had fun. So go subscribe to us on our YouTube page so you can stay locked on Packers.